Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to hempresent. Our radio resident hempo-sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly read for Radio Rebellion Against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry culture and reform movement i'm your host vivian mcpeak i'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event the seattle hemp fest entering its 27th year found at hempfest.org i'm also the author of the book protestable a 20-year retrospective of seattle hemp fest from aha publishing also found at hempfest.org Today's guest on Hemp Present is Simpa Carter, founder and chairman of the Durham City Cannabis Club in Durham City, Northeast England, who's already on the line and who will be with me in about one minute. Currently, anyone found possessing cannabis in the United Kingdom can be sentenced to a maximum of five years in prison, an unlimited fine, or both punishments under UK legislation. Supplying or producing the Class B drug can land people in prison for a maximum of 14 years. And an unlimited fine or both, but Europe has long had a thriving cannabis subculture with very high-profile celebrities, uh, even English celebrities such as Sir Richard Branson, Professor Green, Russell Brand, and Sting speaking out for legalization. Since 1928, cannabis has been a restricted substance in the United Kingdom, where it was not used commonly until the 1960s countercultural revolution. In 1971, the UK followed America's lead and applied a stricter classification similar to America's insane Schedule One assignment. An Irish physician named William Brooke O'Shaughnessy had studied cannabis while he was working as a medical officer in Bengal, India, with the East India Company. And after he transported a healthy batch of cannabis to Britain in 1842, its medicinal properties were more widely discovered in Europe. Today, there's a worldwide explosion of interest in cannabis as citizen activists continue to push the envelope in the interest of defeating the injustices and disinformation that governments around the world continue to promote. I have just one of those freedom fighters with me today to speak to you his truths. Simpa Carter is the founder and chairman of 
Durham City Cannabis Club, which was established in the summer of 2016. Simpa is a committed cannabis and psychedelics activist fighting for the reintroduction of those substances to his nation's culture. The Durham City Cannabis Club's mission statement reads as follows. We are founded on the principle that everyone over the age of 18 has the basic human right to grow, consume, and utilize cannabis without fear of discrimination, persecution, and oppression at the hands of their government. I assume those words were likely crafted by the person I brought to you today. Welcome, Simpa, to Cannabis Radio. Hi there, Vivian. Thanks for having us. And they were indeed. My pleasure. Uh, Let's begin with how and when you were first introduced to cannabis. It's kind of my standard first question. Um, there's a lot of sort of young people in, in Europe and especially in the impoverished areas of northern England. Um, I discovered it as a teenager and then rediscovered it in my latter teens and basically picked it up as an occupation. Um, since since uh, then, I've um, sorry. That's all right. Go ahead. Um, since then, I've um, utilized it sort of medicinally um, for my own purposes. Um, and since then, obviously, I've become an activist to advocate for other people to access what has been um, an exceptionally beneficial substance to me. So, so you're a medical marijuana patient yourself? Yeah, yes. I mean, we don't have the, the infrastructure like you do in the States, for example, but we, uh, sorry, I, I classify myself as a patient, yes. Ron Hogg, Durham Police and Crime Commissioner, has proclaimed that local cannabis users will be targeted only if they grow for commercial gain or if they smoke it in a, quote, blatant way, which I assume means openly in public. Essentially, he's declared that the country of Durham in North England will no longer pursue small cannabis growers nor arrest users. That, that's a pretty big deal, huh? Um, it really is. I mean, it's come off the back of uh, a great deal of work from Teesside Cannabis Club and various other activists in the Northeast. Um, that have come before me, this has led to very progressive um, policies, obviously. I mean, Ron Hogg is an elected official, not um, a a policeman anymore. He sort of retired from being um, a warrant-holding police officer and is now in the public sphere. So, like I say, he's democratically elected. And this just shows how, um, how the policy is being accepted by his constituents because he was re-elected with a higher mandate the second time around. Nice, nice. That's how that's how you do it. What do you think led him to take that radical radical position, and how does the federal government, do you think, uh, there feel about it? Um, like I said, it's off the back mainly of uh, Trevor Coleman and Michael Fisher's work at Teesside Cannabis Club. Um, they approached the, the police and crime commissioner local um, constabulary with this idea of working together as to mutually beneficial gains. So then they've been uh, slowly wheeling out these um, new policies, these progressive ideas, while at the same time Teesside have opened up a cannabis club. This is something that we're looking to emulate. This has had a lot of national attention in the press recently. Obviously, a lot of the tabloids are against it because they tend to hold traditionally right-wing values in this country um, because of their proprietors, the people that own the papers. So federally, I mean, most politicians behind closed doors agree with this. They want cannabis to be removed from the scheduling and to just be normalized in our society. But they're scared of being tried in the meat by the media. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. In fact, on NPR here uh, yesterday, National Public Radio, uh, they interviewed a, a British scientist uh, who apparently had been a member of the, the government uh, in, in a science capacity. And uh, when he suggested that... Uh, 
that alcohol was the most dangerous generally on, on the whole as far as impact to society, the most dangerous substance and that cannabis and other substances like GHB and, and ecstasy should be decriminalized. He got canned. He got sacked. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, that that's pretty much the way it is these days. You yeah, that's um, Dr. David, you know, um, very famous, uh, well-known amongst the activist community in the UK. Yeah, he reclassified the top 20 most harmful and used, widely used drugs in the UK and presented this information to Parliament and then was sacked because he couldn't hold an opinion that was opposition to their opinion, even though he was presenting unbiased, independent fact. This just shows you the mentality of our politicians. And, and what he what he said on the I, I I was driving so I didn't hear his name I only heard the the last maybe half of it and what he said was that the politicians uh, his fellow, uh, kind of a, they they privately agreed with them but they kept saying uh, what are the newspapers going to say the newspapers aren't going to like it so really the media is driving public policy exactly and it's not even the media in the UK I think uh, the majority of our press is owned by about five or six billionaires so it's actually and it's, it's foreign nationals people like Rupert Murdoch. You know, I mean, they're guiding public policy, and they have done in this country for years. The past five, four that I know of, the prime ministers that have been elected have had to cuddle up, uh, suck up to him in this way. Do you know what I mean? They seek his approval first, then they get a government. That's how powerful the press is in this country. We're so indoctrinated by our, our, um, our so-called free press. So what is the Durham City Cannabis Club? What does it consist of, and what do you all do there? Um, we're part of sort of the model of the UK CSC, the United Kingdom Cannabis Social Club movement, which is emulating its uh, model of the Spanish Spanish model, which has been sort of the Spanish have um, a certain thing within their law that they kind of leave you alone within private life is private life. So what the clubs did is they set up an illegal loophole um, for a non-profit to then have social spaces for people to come and consume cannabis and have a, a decent social space. We're looking to just emulate the same in the UK. Obviously, as I mentioned, Teesside have already opened one, <coughs> excuse me, um, and we're looking to do the same this year. We're currently hosting um, what we're calling as well protestal events. I didn't realize you actually wrote the book on the word, um, <laughs> events this year. Um, and we're just activists, ultimately, that are trying to raise the funds and awareness in the community so we can open up social clubs, so we can cater for an already existing marketplace. You know, I mean, my ethos and the club's ethos is harm reduction. We're already consuming this plant. We're already doing it. So we as a club, um, we try to get people to, to not mix it with tobacco. This is something that 77% of UK consumers do. And this is really detrimental to our um, to our health. It really is. It's, this is what is driving the narrative of addiction in this country, for example. Yeah, I mean, mixing cannabis with tobacco as an American, that, that of course, I mean, I've been to Europe, I've been to the Cannabis Cup and that sort of stuff. I've, I've seen that and, and I always kind of marvel at that. And when I'm in Europe, I'm very careful that when someone passes me a joint, I'm very careful to ask them what's in it. Um, what, what kind of a focus or awareness is there in your region about medical cannabis? Is there a, a, a movement, a medical cannabis movement operating in your community? Well, as I previously alluded to, obviously, I'm a medical patient myself. Our own club logo has the word of Asclepius, the sort of international recognized symbol for, me for medicine. Um, and we advocate that cannabis should be utilized as a medicine first. Um, it should be a prophylactic. We should be utilizing it because we have an endocannabinoid system. We should be feeding this. This is what we should be doing to deal with health first. But the pharmaceutical companies have gained such a grip in, in your country as well as ours, uh, sorry, my, my own in the UK, that it's, it's really hard to fight against these, these powerful lobbying firms. So the, we've actually got a thing called the Patients of Parliament protest occurring this month where uh, sitting MP Paul Flynn um, for Newport, South Wales, 
has put forward the Elizabeth Bryce bill, which is um, trying to reschedule cannabis from Schedule 1, the worst, highest classification of scheduling, um, to Schedule 2, to allow these same pharmaceutical companies access to cannabis. So it is a step in the right direction, but for a grassroots activists like myself, I want this to be Schedule 4 or not scheduled at all because cannabis cannot and will not kill you. Whereas the majority of your medicine cabinet, half of your kitchen will probably kill you, but cannabis cannot. Uh, Simpa, uh, I know that you mentioned Spain. In Spain, they have shops, uh, storefronts that sell uh, grow lights and uh, nutrients and clones and uh, uh, grow magazines and stuff like that for, for cannabis. What do you have like that in England? Pretty much um, the, the same thing, really. Everything except cultivation is legal in the UK. So obviously you can buy seeds and you're paying tax on this. We have hydro shops and you're paying tax on the equipment. So we often joke that we're paying more taxes cannabis consumers and cultivators than a lot of the corporations in the UK. Um, like I said, in terms of the books and the literature, they've never really been banned in the UK as they were um, sort of in Canada and the US. I mean, there's activists like Lee Harris that opened up the UK's first head shop and you had the, Europe's first magazine, Dope magazine. Um, so we, we have a history of activists that have built a foundation so that people like myself can very much stand on the shoulders of giants like this. I mean, I'm heading out to Spanabis um, in a few months, uh, sorry, next month. And it's amazing to see that, that we're progressing so fast, we're catching up to Spain in this way. Simpa Carter from the Durham City Cannabis Club is my guest. We're going to take our first pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws as we do and get right back after this word from our sponsors and advertisers. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you life yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannabis from Hollywood to Wall Street. Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahue prove the green rush is real. Wednesdays on demand, only on CannabisRadio.com.
We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We are back on Cannabis Radio with Simpa Carter. Simpa, how do folks in the UK view the legalization reforms taking place here in the United States? Uh, what kind of attention does our legal weed scene get in England? In terms of the mainstream media, not a lot really. Um, ironically, it's things like Business Insider magazine and the London Economist that are talking about it because obviously they're seeing a lot of the legal states start to produce a lot of money. You know, I mean, obviously you can't bank it federally, but they can still see the potentiality in it. So there is that side of it. In terms of the free access and, and um like what's happening in Colorado with being able to subsidize sort of homelessness, being able to, sorry, prevent homelessness, being able to subsidize education, being able to actually then pay for drugs rehabilitation programs. That's not getting the kind of attention it should in the UK, purely because, again, our press is sort of, is controlled. I mean, we do have alternative cannabis-based media, sort of like I Smoke magazine and, um, and various bloggers and, and vloggers that are emerging and starting to get the news out. But for the average British cannabis consumer, unless they're connected with their local club, they're not really getting that much information about um, what's going on in the States at the, at the minute, which is a shame because you guys are, are paving the way for us in a lot of ways. It is because of your experience and this for what our politicians are unfortunately calling an experiment will then give us the evidence to go, actually, this is a workable model. Prohibition is the problem. Legalization is the only alternative. Well, as an American, I, I feel that our nation has a responsibility to lead the way because we led the way for prohibition in a big, large way um, and kind of imported it all over the world through United Nations treaties and, and, and various things like that. Um, so it's, 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 it's only right that, that we turn it around here as well. Um, if somebody, if, if, if a, a cannabis user in, in England wants to cop some pot, uh, where do they get it? In England at the minute, you've pretty much got to grow on every street. We've we've suddenly changed from, we used to import something like 80% of our cannabis in these 70s and 80s. And then in the early 90s and onward, the home cultivation scene has really kicked off. Like I say, with the ubiquitous nature of hydroponic shops in every town and city, people are now seeing that it's a safer, better alternative. It's the cheapest way to access it. I mean, this is also leading to a, an explosion of dealers, of course, people then growing up for excess. So then social media, ironically, is becoming the, the go-to place. Uh-huh. It becomes so, so sort of open in this country. We're just, a lot of people sort of use the hashtag live like it's legal. That's the sort of mentality of the youth. They're just, they're pushing ahead of it regardless of the law. So, so the police, if they, if they stumble across it, they're going to prosecute you potentially, right? But they're not necessarily actively out there using their police resources to try to track down every pot grow and every dealer? Exactly. I mean, Ron Hogg, as we mentioned earlier, his policy of deprioritizing cannabis was then immediately picked up within a week by four other police crime commissioners, other elected officials that rule, uh, govern the policies of police forces. I think this has now gone as far as 10. I think before I was on the show now, I was reading up um, another police force is going even further than this, in going across with other drugs, other diversion schemes. The UK police force is now circumnavigating our politics and finding a way to install harm reduction methods across all, um, across all drugs and substances and across all issues. I mean, you've even got them working directly with sex workers in the northeast now. Very progressive policies are coming from our police institutions. Sipa, I have interviewed on this show uh, parents, uh, American parents and parents in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, 
who are fighting their government to be able to provide their sick children with medical cannabis. Some of them are growing it themselves, making the oil themselves, and openly defying the government. Uh, is that going on, I imagine, in your community as well? It is. We have um, three major stories, I suppose, in the UK, in the UK and Ireland. Um, there's Vera Toomley, whose daughter has Dravet syndrome, the same as Charlotte, um, the young girl from Charlotte's Webstream, that was created by the Stanley Brothers. There is then um, Darren Blackwell, who's um, one of the rarest child. The book his mother wrote about him is called The Boy in Seven Billion. He had a, one of the world's rarest forms of cancers, then had another rare form of cancer, survived a bone marrow operation, pretty much part and parcel kind of saved his life. She's now become a, a great activist and speaker. She's um, coming to speak at our first event in March. And she is, like I said, she's wrote a book on this and now she's touring the country. You've got people like uh, Jeff Ditchfield and Bud Buddies that have been doing work for two decades, providing oils for sick children. People are uh, providing the care here. It's just, it's difficult for people to get access unless, you know, a club, but there's, there's compassion clubs popping up now. There's people are defying it. It's just hard for us to get the same media coverage because they're literally turning the backs on us. They don't want to put up, they don't want to, print anything positive about cannabis, any of the, the stories that are coming out from numerous territories around the world that have already legalized and decriminalized it. Fascinating. Well, that's why we got him present here, uh, going out to, to every continent. Um, <laughs> during the campaign for the 2017 general election, the liberal Democrats in your country had revealed plans to legalize cannabis sales, making them one of the first British political parties to include reforming drug laws in their political platform. Uh, in their campaign platform. How close do you think England is to some kind of outright legalization? Um, that, that's quite difficult. I mean, the Liberal Democrats did that as a way to try and win back the youth vote that they assassinated in the previous election by then suddenly betraying their promise during the election and getting coalition government. They hiked tuition fees from zero to like nine grand a year. Um, so it was basically to try and win back the youth. You know, I mean, they're all taking the drugs anyway, aren't they? Um, it was that kind of mentality. Just kind of a do you think it was a political Trojan horse? Oh, enti entirely. Um, they have kept this policy moving forward, which is, yeah, I can see them, but they haven't done the groundwork. They're not connecting with the, the infrastructure that's already here. When they are willing to engage with the activists and the infrastructure that's already here, then perhaps they'll be taken more seriously. I mean, other political parties are starting to. The Labour Party, for example, are moving towards more progressive um mindset of about uh, medicinal use and like i said with the elizabeth bryce bill its second reading has taken place in our parliament on the 23rd of february this year that potentially could go forward and then like i said that reschedules cannabis from schedule one to schedule two allowing for a lot more research and allowing for pharmaceutical drugs to be then prescribed via the nhs so in terms of that i think will come quite soon out and out legalization in terms of recreational what you guys would call recreational has been able to go to a shop and buy it and pay tax on it not under this government but there are very progressive people in other parties youthful people that have been voted in recent elections that i think are going to drive forward this issue because they know they've lived through the effects of prohibition it's destroyed lives and families yes indeed it has what is the hemp gardens project um, Hemp Gardens is the bit of land, it's a disused bowling green, it stood vacant for nearly two decades um, in the centre of our city and we utilise it for our events, so we do six, six or seven events a year, um, protestables, combining obviously the protest aspect with the celebration aspect. We get about three, four hundred people to attend sort of the, 
the locale for the events. And what we found is that people really respond to having that social space, that kind of area to get together in the, in the interim before we can get a club. What we want to do is then keep hosting these events so people can socialize there, but also that we can utilize it to fundraise so we can rebuild the disused toilet in the bottom end, for example. We want to um, use the funds from our 420 event in a couple of months to pay for the replacement of the kids' play area that was removed by the council recently. We're working with our local MP um, to try to put together a manifesto to present to the council as a way to then take back control of these, these gardens. So, I mean, two weeks ago, I went down with a petrol-powered hedge trimmer and manually cut nearly 200 feet of hedge. You know what I mean? We were, I removed by hand 13 hypodermic needles. We, we found a six-inch kitchen knife that was turned into the police. We're actively bettering that part of, of, of our community. We're trying to return it to social use. We want to see people utilizing this, this area moving forward because our council have no plans for it. We want to put a temporary structure and a volunteer-staffed cafe on there. Like I say, and then all of the, f- the foods we'll be serving will be hemp. We have a, a lovely company in the UK called Hempen that produce all kinds of hemp food, hemp burgers, hemp snacks, you know what I mean? Um, hemp seed, hemp milk, hemp seed. So again, providing all of these hemp teas um, from hemp gardens, utilizing the funds to then repay for the renovation of the community. You mentioned uh, syringes in, 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 the, in the park. Uh, here in America, we have an opioid epidemic that has killed more people in the last two years than during the entire Vietnam War. Are you experiencing a similar uh, opioid crisis? Ironically, uh, through the cultural thing of uh, social media and things like Instagram, where Xanax and things like that are starting to arrive on the UK shores, um, they're not prescribed, a lot of the higher end opioids are not prescribed through our NHS because we start to deal with this issue um, a, a, a lot longer. Uh, uh, we, sorry, we started to deal with this issue a lot earlier. Um, so we do have a problem and it is growing worse. I mean, austerity drives the drug issue. We, we know this, trauma drives drug abuse. Yeah, so sure. we need more progressive policies to deal with this. And this is something that we're trying to drive as a cannabis club because you've seen now states that have legal access to cannabis, there's something like 25% less prescriptions. You know, I mean, people are moving towards cannabis oils as alternatives. People are starting to use cannabis as an exit drug from opioids and other substances. And of course, cannabis, medical cannabis as a pain reliever and to treat PTSD and stuff could, could greatly, I think, greatly replace uh, some of these other dangerous, toxic, deadly, cost prohibitive pharmaceuticals. Also, uh, scientists are finding uh, and, 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 and treatment professionals are finding out that microdosing on various psychedelics has been really beneficial for people with depression, people uh, with addiction, people who are, are facing terminal illness, uh, the elderly. You are also a psychedelics activist. How, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'm microdosing right now as well. It's, it's something I've partaken for a few years. I wait, 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 wait. You're microdosing right now on the radio? Yeah, we have being, been, I, being, I the being this, this, are, this you are so articulate and so scathingly accurate. I'm I'm really impressed. Tell us more. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I discovered this a few years ago because I've I've dealt with historic trauma and childhood sort of trauma for, for the entirety of my life and been through the psychiatric system for decades, and pretty much been failed by various pharmaceutical companies that have just peddled their wares. And then each time I go in each year, they give me a different drug. Well, here's, here's the approved literature. Go and do this. And my life worsened. It wasn't until I took um, like control of myself, sovereignty of my unconsciousness, that I went, wait a minute, what, what am I doing to myself? And I went back, started taking things like mushrooms, and I had this introspection. 
and this realization that wait a minute, I'm driving a lot of my issues. I'm I'm keeping my trauma fresh by identifying with it, and then through utilizing LSD and mushrooms over a two-year period from 2012 to 2014, I negated and undid a great deal of my my trauma without the the help from the psychiatric services to the point now where I used to be qualifiable for PTSD and now I'm not. These are amazing substances that they're tools that need to be re-entered into the psychiatric um, toolbox because people's lives are being damaged by some of the high-end antipsychotics and SSRI drugs that they're giving when people don't need this. You've got a brilliant author, sorry, Johan Hari has released a book recently, um, Lost Connections. It's amazing about depression, the root cause of it and how it's our separation from our culture. It's our basic emotional needs are not met from our culture. And that's what's driving depression. It's not the chemical imbalance story that we've been told. And it's, I'm just trying to use psychedelics to give people back control of their own lives in that way and to show them it's possible. And I actually interviewed Johan Hari on this show uh, about uh, probably uh, eight or nine months ago. A, a great guy, tr- a brilliant author. Is it Chasing the Scream? Am I right? Yeah, Chasing the Scream. Um, we know I, I'm a baby boomer. I grew up in, in the late 60s and early 70s when psychedelics were at their peak and were very pure and accessible. And uh, uh, my, I would not be the person that I am today if I hadn't have dosed uh, many, many times uh, extensively in my youth. And, uh, and, and I, I think that it, it saved my life in a lot of ways, frankly. Um, I, I credit LSD to doing the same on the documentary of the BBC saying exactly this because it, it, it is true I was facing a very dark path in my life and this has given me purpose, this has given me the motivation and the, the light to actually pursue something yeah I, I, I agree and I'm, I'm a fun guy with a fun job myself man. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about you know in America, we've got a, a large music culture that's that's based around cannabis, and, and and of course, you know, it's marketed to the whole world. So I'm sure that you're aware of it. Um, what, what kind of uh, I, I mentioned a couple celebrities uh, in my opening. What, what kind of of cannabis music culture exists in Britain uh, promoting pot uh, right now? Very much the sound system culture in the UK. So of when the West Indies culture was sort of brought over post the Second World War in the UK and immigration moved um, further around from places like Leicester and that. They started these sound systems, these huge stacks, and it's all dub and reggae music, dancehall music. So obviously that comes with the Rastafarian appreciation of, of cannabis and cannabis culture, and it's all sort of one love and it's the appreciation of, of, of sort of, yeah, it's, it's the whole jar. Do you know what I mean? It's the, the promotion of of unity and that is what I think drives a great deal of it for me that's what I, I found in my youth to be it, I went from techno and sort of party drugs in the dark to out in fields in summer sun with, with big stack sound systems just feeling connected do you know what I mean and everyone just passing around cannabis and using it as a way to to, to, to mingle and jive nice it's kind of a, a an evolution of, of the, the 1960s hippie mindset of peace love unity earth uh spirituality and things like that i i think um and, and we've got a flavor of that here too even though we have a really large edm uh movement which is really more geared around uh around chemical drugs um yeah. so we have a similar issue yeah. <laughs> 
So do, do you have a website or how could how could other people who might be in, in, in Great Britain listening to this or other people in the world that want to support your, your stuff, how can people uh, check you out, uh, check out the Durham uh, City Cannabis Club? Um, we're on, we've got a website with durhamcitycc.co.uk. Um, that's just been built this, this past year. So we've got forums. We've got all our blogs. We're starting to do our vlogs through YouTube as we get the equipment in. That's going to be the sort of first point of contact. Obviously, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our YouTube channel, like I say, will be going live soon. Um, so we, we try to make ourselves approachable across multiple platforms. Here in America, we, as you know, we were really been making. We, we've had the momentum for legalization that's kind of unprecedented. Well, it's it's extremely unprecedented. Uh, we've got eight states plus uh, Washington D.C. having legalized cannabis, and we've got recreational stores here in Seattle, uh, a mile from me, right here, or less than a mile, half a mile away. Uh, there's a brick and mortar shop selling grams and eighths of cannabis quarters of of all kinds of strains of cannabis. It's kind of like going into a uh, a Seven Eleven or something, um, and being able to pick whatever you want. Um, but we've just kind of hit a brick wall uh, with the Trump administration, and our Attorney General Jeff Sessions is really wanting to just roll it all back, uh, back, back, uh, back into full-scale prohibition. Uh, what do people in the UK think about Donald Trump? <laughs> I know, right? That's a loaded question, Matt. You can be honest. Uh, the term wank puffing comes to mind. That's a Geordie <laughs> term that was created for Donald Trump. What is it? Wank puffing. <laughs> wank puffing? Yeah, wank's like sort of to masturbate. Oh, yeah, I know what a wank is. Wank puffing, yeah. right? I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know where that came from, really. That's a, a Geordie thing. Yeah, he's he's sort of despised. I mean, the fact that he had to cancel a state visit because of the opposition that, that's going to arise here. The fact that he's not going to get an invite to the royal wedding this year says a great deal about the UK's um, viewings of Trump. Is, is, there, is there concern that America's policies, even economic policies, might impact Great Britain? Well, they always kind of have. If you look at sort of Reaganomics and the effect that that had on Thatcher and then throughout uh, John Major in the UK throughout the 90s, um, even through Blair, yeah, we, we're kind of, what does it say, the 51st state in a lot of ways. Um, less so, although since the Iraq war, I must admit, Tony Blair kind of did and Bush did a lot to separate that. Um, but this is a relationship that we need to, to build on. And this is a lot of people are scared of in the UK because Trump is working with me on potentially selling off the NHS, our greatest asset, which is free healthcare to all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have a, a very negative um, impression of Donald Trump, should we say. Yeah, well, we could dive deep into this subject, but um, this is cannabis radio, um, and we want to—we won't, we don't want to be a buzzkill, man, and bring everybody down. Um, what, um, what do you think? What do you think the biggest positive impact cannabis has had on you yourself has been? I mean, how is it? I know you're a medical marijuana patient. Um, if you could, if you could just say one thing that cannabis has, has changed in your life or your being, what would it be? It's stabilized my mental health um, because I have borderline personality disorder. It's given me continuity. I consume it each day, and then it, it gives me my life back. I can each day I can live from day to day. I consume cannabis and I'm normal. I'm not high. I'm not out there getting messed up. Whatever I consume it and I get on with my life. I think there's, you know, the, the, the non 
cannabis using community and everywhere has this idea of pot like you get all zoned out and spaced out and time and space is distorted and and, <laughs> and they get this idea that it's somehow so much stronger than alcohol and I think it's the opposite uh, uh, case that, that yeah, I can actually you know if I'm a if regular cannabis smoker you can function quite well on cannabis um, but I think we're out of time my bro so I think we're gonna have to go to a uh, a break right now. I am speaking with Simpa Carter uh, with the Durham City Cannabis Club. We're going to take our last pause for the cause. Your word from our sponsor. Come back with our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. What do master growers, dispensary owners, extraction artists, and infusion chefs all have in common? They'll all be in Denver, Colorado at NCIA Seed the Sales Show, February 7th and 8th. Don't miss a chance to learn alongside 3,000 of the cannabis industry's best and brightest in three highly focused tracks about cultivation, infused products and extractions, and business strategies and innovation. Network and shop for all of your business needs across 40,000 square feet of Expo 4. NCIA Seed the Sales Show. SeedTheSalesShow.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Learning the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Awaken, adjust, and aspire. High on Healthy. Mondays on Demand. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents. Only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Simpa Carter. Simple. What would you like to say? You know, well, let's, first of all, I I was shocked when I saw the the, the stats that there. I have listeners to this show, and Cannabis Radio has listeners really all over the world on just about every continent, if not every continent. What would you like to say to your fellow cannabis enthusiasts, your brothers and sisters all over the world, fighting the same good fight uh, while you got the opportunity? Just that we will get there together quicker if we go together. There is so much potential in the energy that's coming from America at the minute that could blow through the West and through Europe. You're seeing places like Germany and Portugal looking. I mean, Portugal, Germany's looking to decriminalize. Portugal's now finally looking to legalize. If we capitalize on this this wave, we can get global legalization. We need to start pushing the UN. We need to start pushing these global bodies to retract and remove prohibition because it's done far more harm than cannabis ever can. We all need to come out, out and proud, say, I use cannabis. Say why you use it and tell your colleagues, tell your friends, tell your family. 
you're doing nothing wrong. You're breaking an arbitrary law, an antiquated law, a draconian law, and one that will no longer stand if we all come up and say no, no longer. You know, Simpa, that is exactly why I am putting so much energy into uh, bringing cannabis activists on every continent onto this show because I want to demonstrate that we are fighting, that we're the same everywhere. The cannabis community is beautiful everywhere, and there are freedom fighters like yourself, like my comrades, fighting every single day for this beautiful plant. Thank you so much for being on Hemp Present. I so much uh, enjoy talking to you. I really want you to stay in touch with me. Uh, let's collaborate uh, on that vein. Simpa Carter, Durham City Cannabis Club, Hempy Trails to you, my brother. Thank you, brother. Now I want to get to a weekly feature Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week. If they're going to have a joint, do it with them. Don't let them sneak off and do it on their own. I went with my son on his gap year. We had some nights where we laughed our heads off for eight hours. I don't think smoking the occasional spliff is all that wrong. I'd rather my son did it in front of me than behind closed doors. And that is Sir Richard Branson. That concludes this installment of 10% on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. And don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.